Thank you so much. It's a, just a joy to be with you this morning and, and to sense the presence of the Lord. How many know Jesus is here? And he longs, he longs for us to draw nearer to him. He longs for his lost children to come home. He longs for us to move closer to him. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So he's here this morning, and he's walking these aisles by his spirit. And I pray that if whatever state you came in, that you will leave knowing Jesus in your heart and spirit in a way that you didn't before. These are amazing times we live in. And God wants to meet us here this morning. Every time we gather in his name, he's there in our midst, and he has a purpose. Amen? So thank you, uh, Pastor Daniel and Sifera and, and all those that have hosted us. If I start naming names, they'll all get in trouble and forget some. Or I'm getting old now, so names are getting harder and harder. But uh, it's just such a joy to be with you, and we, we love you. We love Alpha Omega and Pastor Timothy, and, and so just thank you again for, for your gracious and kind offer, opportunity and invitation to be here. You know, when I was growing up in America as a kid, um, you know, we, Christmas is a very special time and, and love a lot of the Christmas songs. And I remember as a, as a, as a young boy, one of, one of my, I have many favorites, and, but one of my favorite song, Christmas songs was, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Anyone know that song? I'll be home for, you know that one? Yeah. And it just, it just makes you feel at home with your family celebrating the Lord. And um, because we, God made us to be home where we belong with him and his family. That's what we're created for. And, the, and, you know, for missionaries, it's hard for us this time of year. Our two sons are grown. They're 33 and 30. They're in America. And we miss them. And uh, we miss our family in America, and our, my wife's from, from Samoa in the South Pacific, and so there's nothing like home. There's no place like home, amen? And that's what God made us for. But did you know it's amazing that, that God also made all of his creatures to long for home? Animals long for home. I think some of us have heard about the homing instinct that animals have. They can amazingly find home from a far distance away. They can find where they come from. Even pets, there's a, there's a story, a famous story of a cat in Australia that the family went out into the outback for, for a holiday. And during that time, the cat wandered away and got lost. And the family looked and looked and they gave up and they went home and they thought, the cat's lost, it will die in the desert. Two years later, that cat had walked through the desert over a thousand miles and found their house and their home and found its way home. Now, how many think God programs into creatures amazing homing instinct, yeah? The, probably the most amazing example of, in wild animals is, and there's so many, we could talk about salmon and we could talk about butterflies that have a homing instinct. But the most amazing one is, is a bird called the Arctic tern. And every year it migrates from the north to the South Pole and back up to the North Pole and it flies a zigzag pattern every year to the exact nest to the exact home it flies over 44,000 miles every year 
North Pole, South Pole, back up to North Pole, to its exact nest. Now, how do you explain that? How many know God is an amazing God? But he puts in us a homing instinct. Well, what about human beings? Do we have a homing instinct? You bet we have a homing instinct. Okay, now it may not be geographically. You know, my wife and I, we live in Jakarta, and uh, my wife's a much better navigator. Thank goodness for GPS, but I just, you know, we just use grab everywhere. We don't have a car. We use grab, and I just sit back and relax, and I let GPS take care of it, although sometimes the drivers don't follow GPS very well. So my wife knows where she's going, okay? So she has a much better homing instinct than I do, but I'm not talking about a geographical homing instinct. I'm talking about a spiritual homing instinct that God put. Every human being longs for home to our Creator. You understand what I'm saying? Whether we realize it or not, we are longing for peace with our Creator, to know that we're belonging with Him, that we're right with Him. There's an instinct that God gave us. And it's, it's amazing that we see a, a tremendous example of this in the Christmas story, the historical record of those that were involved in the story. And we know them as the Magi or the wise men. They were actually astronomers and astrologers from a far way away. I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse, just the first two verses. And it says this. I think this is the New Living Translation. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, they had come hundreds and hundreds of miles. These are not Christians. These are not Jews. But they were looking for home. They had seen some light, and God had given them more light. They were longing to find home with their creator and king. It says, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. There was an understanding in the ancient world, both in the Jewish world, in the Roman world, and in the Asian world, that there was going to be a king of the world that was going to come, and it was going to come out of Judea. And this goes back, we can't take the time, these wise men were from a, a place, you know, where, where Daniel had been, not this Daniel, but the Daniel of many, many years ago. And he had prophesied, and he had given this interpretation of this dream and all of that. And these wise men, these astronomers and astrologers who were advisors to the king, they were the ones that would read the stars and then try to interpret the stars to get God's meaning and purpose for their king. So they were not just scientists, but they were spiritual scientists. They were spiritual scholars looking for the truth. And so God saw this kind of heart that they had. They had hungry hearts. They didn't just want to know science. They wanted to know the creator of science and to know the meaning of life. And God kept showing them the way. And they came all the way. Okay, They came with a large, large uh, group, a caravan, an expedition that was very costly. Okay, They came and it took them at least two months to travel to this place. Now, they'd never been there. Remember this. Their homing instinct is driving them to find their king that they long for. Pagans, Gentiles. And they finally make it there. In fact, the expedition, the caravan, the group that they were leading was so large that it made trouble. In, it made a troubling noise and, and, and was very rame in Jerusalem because this large group had arrived. That's how big this expedition was. They spent all kinds of money and time determined to find their way home to their creator. 
Think of that. That's the homing instinct he put in. Now, what is that homing instinct that we have? And we want, we want to talk about three things this morning. We won't take too long, but the homing instinct, there's, there's three main signs that flash to us, both inside us and outside us, that God put in us all around the world that would lead us home, that would light the way home, that would shine the way home to him. And the first one is our conscience. You go all over the world, and everywhere you go, every human being in history is always, all the religions, they're driven for one thing. They know they've not lived life right. They've done wrong things. And they're all trying to find some peace with their maker, some peace with their creator, some forgiveness, because we all know we've not lived the way we know we should, right? And we all know that we've treated people in a way that we don't want them to treat us. Everyone has a guilty conscience. Now, who put that conscience in us? God put it there to lead us to him, to shine the light to him, to come home to him for his forgiveness, his peace, his salvation. And that's why Jesus came. You follow that. And so that's the first one of the main lights that he gives to us, inside us, that will point us if we keep following that light. But then there's another light. There's another part of his homing instinct. It's, it's, you know, we can call it, we have our own GPS our God's positioning system. And it's trying to guide us to God. And that's what this system is. The first one is our conscience. The second is creation. Now, if, if you are honest as a human being with any brain at all, and you're honest, you cannot look at creation. For one thing, look at the scars. Look and know the universe that we've learned about. Did you know that just our little galaxy, the Milky Way, and I say little, Okay, compared to the whole universe. Just the Milky Way galaxy takes, now how many know the speed of light travels 186,000 miles a second? Not an hour. 186,000 miles a second. And to get across our little galaxy, it takes 100,000 years going 186,000 miles a second just to get across our galaxy. And astronomers now say with the, the telescopes that we have beyond the Hubble and now I think it's called the, the, uh, the Webb telescope, I think is the name or whatever, and it's like 10 times more powerful than the Hubble telescope. We have anywhere from 125 billion galaxies, not stars, galaxies. Some say up to a trillion galaxies in the universe. How do you explain that? God says, and you read Romans 1, we won't take the time to read it. He says, when you look at creation, then alone, not only how big creation is, then you look at the life. Look at all the creatures. Look at the systems. The planet Earth was made to have life. If we were a little bit closer to the sun, we would burn up. If we were a little farther away from the sun, we would freeze to death. How did that happen? Do you think that was an accident? God did all of this perfectly, beautifully. And as we look at it, we say, wow. There is a creator that is intelligent, that is powerful, and that loves me, that he made a world that could support my life, and he wants me to find his life. These are our homing instincts, and they lead us back to him. Now, that's the third. And, of course, we have conscience, we have creation, but then... What's it lead us to? And, and you know, I, I didn't even go into the DNA, 
You know that they, of course we've known for many, many years about DNA, and, and I think you've probably heard that the DNA, they call it, it's been called the language of God. The DNA that is put in our beings, in our brains, our bodies, and everything, that is all the information that makes us what we are. All of our systems, our circulatory systems, our skeletal system, our brain, the way it works, even the way we think, all of that that goes into our genes that makes you unique. There's no one in the world just like you. There's no one in the world like me. You understand? That's our DNA. If you strung all the information in each person's DNA, in one of us, they say all that information would reach from the earth to the sun and back 600 times. That's how much information God put into you and me. And you say, this is all pointing. All signs point to our Father. All signs point to our Creator God leading us home. And of course, that leads us to the third, and that's the home. And that's the third C. Conscience, creation, and it leads us to Christ. God himself who came and became Emmanuel to lead us home. Amen? And so there's the homing instinct. And you see these magi that they follow that. You know, as a great statement that I read about that, a man said, you know, for every person in the planet that follows the light that they are given, if they keep following that light, that light, will, they will end up at the feet of Jesus. God will find a way to get you home to him. Amen? He will find a way to lead you home with all of the light that he gives us. If we really long to come home, if we want to come home, we will follow his lights and we will find our way home. So conscience, creation, Christ. And then we go and we see how much these magi found that. Now, when they, when they got to Jerusalem, we know the story. And again, when I say story, this isn't a made-up story. This is the historical record. You understand that. Sometimes when people hear story, they think, oh, it's just a made-up story. Not at all, not at all. It's an historical record. When they got to Jerusalem, they kept asking one question. And the word in the Greek that it says as they asked, it was what we call the present participle, which means they kept on asking. They just asked again and again and again. Every person they could see, where is the newborn king of the Jews? They were determined to find him. And anyone that wants to find him will find him when the Holy Spirit leads them. And so they, they weren't there for Herod the Great. They didn't want to see Herod. They weren't even there for Julius Caesar. They were there for the newborn king, not just of the Jews, but the newborn king of the world that had come. And these pagans, non-believers, that were longing for home, found their way all that way across that desert over months and they made it there, and they found. And the star led them all the way. And there's amazing background information on the star, how the eclipse came, and there's Aries and Jupiter and Mars involved, and how that came at just the right moment, and they followed that star, and then they get to Jerusalem, and the star then continued and led them right to that tiny little village over that, that stable, that, that, that little uh, cave where animals were kept. And the star then lit right there and led them right to the king of the world, the newborn king of the world. That's the amazing way God will find a way to lead you and me home and all of his lost children that are still waiting to come home. That's what he wants to do today. So the Magi were determined. They longed to find their creator. 
these astrologers, these astronomers, but how many know when you have a hungry heart for God, He will find you. He will lead you home. If you have a hungry heart, if you have a humble heart that acknowledges, I'm a creature, He's my creator, and I long to know Him, and I long to be home where I belong with Him. I'll be home for Christmas this year. That's what He wants all of us to feel and to know and to live for. You know, you remember the story, the, the prodigal son. And, and it's, it's such a powerful, beautiful story that Jesus told. And he shows the father is a picture of God. And here this son who rebels and is, is representing basically all of us that have rebelled and run away from home. We lived our way. We said to God, nope. I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to be my own Lord. And we run away and we kind of live the way we want. We think we're kind of, so we would never say it, but we actually are saying, you know, God, I think I'm smarter. I think I can have a happier life if I do it my way than your way. And so we go away. And yet that father never stopped loving that son. And every day he went out and he looked and he looked and he looked for his son waiting to see him come home. And of course, we also know that there was another brother, an elder son. And sadly, he did not have his father's heart. And Jesus is telling the story to the Pharisees who are represented by this elder son. You, do not, you are not a true son. You don't have my, my father's heart. You don't love your lost brother. You, the, the elder son should have actually been out looking for his lost brother. And Jesus is saying if we have our, his heart, we not only will come home to our Father, we will bring our lost brothers and sisters home to Him as well. Amen? That's what Christmas is about. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere that Jesus was born. Praise God. They're all needing and longing to come home. But they don't. You know, Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus rose again for the whole world. But the whole world doesn't know it. And He is sending us to be the ones to tell them. Amen? You see, now, people don't look in the sky for the star. God has sent not a star in the sky. He sent a star on earth, and it's called His church. We are the star that's lighting the way to this world to come home, to lead them home. We are the star that, He says, you are the light of the world. Shine your light. They may see your life, your good deeds, and they will come home to me and call me Father. And so we are the star now that he's saying, shine in the darkness, shine in the dark places, not just all over Indonesia, but around the world. That's what he's longing for now. And this Christmas is what he's wanting to do. Love will find a way. But you see, so we're not, we have our theme, he is coming but uh, we're celebrating not just his first coming now. We're celebrating his second coming. And friends, his second coming is very soon. How many believe that? How many believe Jesus is coming soon? You, you look around in this world, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But the difference is, the difference is, Jesus is not coming this time like he did the first time. He came as a child a sacrifice for our sin, a humble child that gave his life for us, that was abused and rejected and misunderstood and, re and tortured and killed as a criminal. He did all that out of his mercy and grace to give us forgiveness and eternal life. But the time will come when he returns again and he is not coming as a lamb. He's coming as a lion. 
And he's coming as the judge of this world. And mercy will be over. There will be no mercy. You understand that? When Jesus returns, there will be no forgiveness. There will be no mercy because he will have waited as long as he can. And when the earth fills up with wickedness and evil, he comes because he's a just God and, and sin and evil must be punished or he wouldn't be a good God. But he's waited as long as he can. So the second coming, praise God for us that know Jesus. We're home with him. We're safe. We're going home. How many can't wait to see Jesus? We're going home. But the lost, his lost children will not be going home. They're going to face their judge. We're going to face our judge, but we're going to face him as our father and clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Amen? Because we simply received his gift of forgiveness and eternal life. But they have not seen the light. We are the light to lead them home to him before his second coming that is coming very, very soon. And when he comes, he will unleash his wrath on this world. He, will, he has to. Finally, he has to get rid of Satan and all the evil in this world and all those that have. And so, friends, believe me, we don't want to be here. We don't want to be around when God finally comes, when Jesus, God the Son, returns. And his wrath, his hatred of evil is finally unleashed. And he recreates the earth. He renovates the earth and unites heaven and earth again. But only for those that are his children that have come home. And he's waited so long for all of them to come home. Now he's sending us as stars in this short time we have left to reach as many of our lost brothers and sisters so they can celebrate Christmas with us. Not just his first coming, but also his second coming with no fear. But we will be going home with him if we belong to him. The Bible says that Jesus was slain, killed before the foundation of the world. Remember God, he lives outside of time. He's in eternity. So all of these things have already happened. But not to us yet. But with him, it's already been ordained and happened. He was slain before the foundation of the world. He was resurrected before the foundation of the world. But it's playing out in human history now. So I think sometimes when we talk about Jesus coming, it's hard for us to believe it's really real. But if I can just remind you that the second coming of Jesus in the New Testament is also called the second resurrection. Or the final resurrection. Now, how many believe that Jesus rose from the dead? I sure hope so. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're wasting your time. Because if he, if he didn't rise from the dead, folks, he was a liar. He was a lunatic. He was a false messiah. He was a false teacher. He was an evil man if he did not rise from the dead. Because this guy went around even claiming he was God. Now, either you're a liar or a lunatic, as C.S. Lewis says. Or you really are who you say you are. You're Lord. And he proved it by being Lord over death. And he's the only one in history that ever could because he's the only one that has the power of life and death. So if you believe Jesus rose again the first time, if you believe in the first resurrection, when he says, I'm coming to raise you up again in the second resurrection, you can count on it. He's going to fulfill the second resurrection. Amen? It's a done deal. This isn't a fantasy. It's not some hope or dream or wish we have. Jesus said this would happen. Just as then he walked this earth in his resurrection body, you will have resurrection bodies like, my, like me. You'll eat fish by the sea, and you'll touch each other and hug each other and live together forever in this new earth together. Jesus' coming is real, praise God. But it's for those of us who are ready to come home with him. He said, I'm going to give you some warning." He said, no. He said, you're going to see things happening in the world and, and 
they're like birth pains. Now, how many mothers do we have here? How many have had children? Yeah. How many know what birth pains are like? Yeah. I remember our first, our firstborn uh, son, and we had, you know, prepared for it, and we even had a bag packed for the hospital, and we'd gone through all the breathing training, learning how to breathe, you know, and. <laughs> you know, all through the pain and everything, and I'm supposed to help and, and coach my wife and encourage her and everything, you know, and I was all ready. But then the day came when she said, now this is my first time to your father. And she said, uh, honey, um, it's time. It's time. And listen, you think I, I was so calm and cool, you know, I was reading a book and I said, oh, honey, just relax. It's fine. Let me finish my book tonight. We'll go to the hospital tomorrow. Don't worry. It's okay. Now, I'm, I'm obviously joking very sarcastically. Do you think that's what I said? Are you kidding? I almost knocked her down trying to get ready to go to the hospital and get ready. You know why? Because her birth pains had started. Sometimes women have long labor. Sometimes it's short. I didn't know if I had hours or minutes before I was going to see my son. Are you with me? Jesus is saying, when you see these things in the world, it's like birth pains. You don't know how soon it will be. Now, we know Jesus said, we cannot set dates. We never set dates. Jesus himself, when he was on this earth, did not know exactly when he was coming. Okay? Now, he's one with the Father now and all that. I believe he knows it all now. But when he was on this earth, he didn't. Okay? But he says, you don't know. And so we must get ready and get others ready as quickly as possible when we see these things happening in the world. The resurrection is coming very soon. And what, what are some of these things? We'll just take very, very briefly. The world basically is crumbling now, okay? Number one, we see that the creation is crumbling. Now, we know we can, um, we're not, don't worry, we're not going to get into the whole climate uh, issue and climate crisis and debate and all that and carbon emissions and all that kind of thing and that may be part of it but can I tell you that you can decarbonize the planet and that's not going to stop the earth from dying ever since man rebelled against God and cut himself off from God the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 8 Paul says we groan with creation waiting for the redemption this earth has been dying a slow death ever since we separated ourselves from God's life amen so the main reason this planet is going down is because of humanity's sin. So it's not because of carbon emissions. You could get rid of all the carbon in the world, and this, 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 this earth, this planet, is still going to die because God has said that's part of what will happen as a result of sin. But I'm going to restore and save this world and recreate it, okay? So we see that happening, and we can get into all. We can talk about new weather patterns, and we see all kinds of things happening. And, and we even see that the natural disasters, and these have happened before, but when you put all these things together, all at the same time, as much as they're happening, of course, you know, we just had uh, more earthquakes. We live in Jakarta. We felt the last one. We're in an apartment in Jakarta that's up fairly high. Let me tell you, it's pretty scary. We're up fairly high, and when, when we went through there, I don't remember how long ago the big earthquake was. I'm, it was our first time to go through an earthquake. Our building was just swaying back our chandeliers were like this my wife and I were just holding each other saying Jesus 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 okay when the earth shakes suddenly you realize I have no power at all over my life okay we just had another earthquake in West Java okay and he said there will be more and more earthquakes we all remember the tsunami of 2004 this month 18 years ago of 2004 
in a moment, if you want a taste of what it will be like when Jesus comes back and unleashes the power, the unlimited power of his wrath and anger and hatred on evil, these natural disasters are a drop in the bucket, a tiny taste of what that power will be like when it's unleashed. But he's saying, I don't want you to go through that like that. I want you to come home with me. Amen? And so he's saying, when you see these things, you know that I'm at the door. I'm on the way. We don't know exactly when. That's the point. You know, now some people say, you know, we've seen these things before and it's true. But that's exactly what Satan wants us to think because Jesus makes it very, very clear. You must be ready at any time. And when you see these things, it was just like the days of Noah. They were warned about the flood, and he said they continued living just everyday lives, eating and drinking and partying and getting married right up to the day they were destroyed in the flood. And Jesus said that's exactly the way it's going to be when I come again for those that don't know me and are not home with me in my heart. And so he says, get ready. It could be four years. It could be four months. You don't know how long. So we can't say when he's coming, but we can't say when he's not coming either. You see? So we are ready at all times. But we're welcoming him because he's going to welcome us home for that. So these are, these are some of the signs. So we see creation is crumbling. We see cultures crumbling. We, we could talk on and on about this. You see morality, and we see all that. And, and, you know, in America, that's where I'm from. I see so much of this. We see it all over the world. But first of all, let me tell you, modern man has made a mess of the world. You know, modern man thinks he's so, so smart. With all of our enlightenment, with all of our education, man is just as evil and wicked in his heart as he has always been. Did you know there is more slavery going on in the world now than at any time in history? Much of it sex slavery. Yet these progressives and people that just think, oh, man, is just getting better and better and better. I don't know what planet they're on. I don't know what evidence they're looking at. But that's not the truth. The facts are so obvious. It's crumbling. In America, we have parents now, and there's been, there's been such indoctrination in our universities and our media and this kind of thing. And so they're saying to children, five years old, you decide what you want to be. Do you want to be a boy or do you want to be a girl? There's no such thing as biology anymore. There's no such thing as male and female anymore. That's how far humanity has come with all of our education. And so he's saying, watch when you see these things. Get ready. But there are many other signs, too. We see nation rising against nation. We see wars. And we see, of course, Russia and Ukraine. And we see, you know, China wanting to be the superpower of the world. And we see all kinds of things happening. And we see uh, Iran with nuclear weapons. And it just goes on and on and on. And the disruption in the world. He said, when you see these things, get ready. It's starting to happen. These are the beginning of birth pains. But there's another thing that is a beautiful thing. And he said, also, when I'm coming back, you watch. There is going to be a revival and harvest that comes. In the last days, more people are going to come to Jesus than at any in history. Did you know that in a recent 10-year period, more people came to Jesus than in all of history combined in 10 years? Well, friends, I don't know if, if, if that doesn't thrill you, your thriller's busted. If that doesn't excite you, man, we are living in the greatest hour of harvest we have ever seen before. Because Jesus knows how short the time is. He knows the day and the hour. 
And he's saying, look at all this. I'm telling you, I'm coming soon. And wonderfully, I'm bringing home all my children. If you go out as my star, as the church, to shine and show them the way home. China, even with all the, the difficulties it's going through, the church is still growing and exploding there under persecution. Persecution is increasing of Christians all over the world. Some of the greatest persecution the church has ever had now is going on. And even in America, we're, they're not being killed, but it's a very anti-Christian culture now, very much so, all the way through education and media and everything. We should be honored that we get to be persecuted like Jesus was persecuted if we're followers of him. But that goes with this great end time harvest. You cannot, even in our darkest hour, it's our finest hour because that's when more people are coming to Jesus. I was born in Africa. I was born in the country of Tanzania. We left there when I was very young. But my parents helped start the, I'm uh, from the Assemblies of God in America, and my parents uh, helped start the Assemblies of God of Tanzania many, many years ago. The church there, the Assemblies of God in Tanzania, has just, God has been blessing and exploding it. Did you know that the Assemblies of God just in Tanzania in the last 10 years planted over 10,000 churches in 10 years? During COVID, this is just in Tanzania, during COVID, they planted over 3,000 churches during COVID. And they were, they were sad. They were disappointed because their goal was 4,000. So they're like, oh, man, we didn't make the 4,000. How many, how many think that would be wonderful you could plant 3,000 churches during COVID? I'm saying it's exploding. And their goal is, is to reach so many thousands and thousands more. Their goal is to have an Assemblies of God church in every village, in every desa, every kampung in Tanzania where every citizen of Tanzania can just walk to an Assemblies of God church. Because they understand the urgency of reaching their country for Christ. Amen? To be the star that shines the light and leads them home. And we could go on and on with all of the revival that's happening. Well, what do we do about it? What happens? You know, I was thinking the other day and a while back and realizing how many people are coming to Jesus now like never in history before. And I think we all would love to, love to, uh, to, you know, go back to the Bible and say, talk to Abraham. What was it like, Abraham? What was it like, Moses, the men of the Bible, whatever. But many of them, I believe now in heaven, are looking down and seeing a revival that they never saw when they were on earth. They never saw the number of people coming to Jesus that we are seeing in the world. And we say, man, what would it be like to be Abraham? And they are, they are thinking up there, what is it like? They want to ask us when we get to heaven, what was it like to be there in the greatest harvest of history when more people came to Jesus in 10 years than in all of history? What was it like? Do you realize the generation that we get to be a part of? That God is using us. These are the last days, friends. And there is a short time. And he's saying, let's celebrate Christmas. Not just the first coming, but the second coming. We're going home and we get ready and we get the rest of the world ready. Those who will come home as we shine the light to them. When we're compelled, we can do amazing things. I just want to close by telling you a, a brief story about a man in America. He's a very simple man. And he was the janitor, the custodian in an Assemblies of God church in California, in Oakland, California. This is years ago. 
And he loved Jesus, but he was very shy, very shy, very quiet. But he loved Jesus with all his heart. And every Sunday, he'd be in the altars praying, every Sunday night. And, but he, on Sunday, he couldn't even look you in the eye and say hello. He was that shy. That withdrawn. But he loved Jesus. And he just cleaned the church. He lived next door. He never married. He was so shy. Well, he worked there for years and years. And finally, one day, they realized he hadn't been cleaning at the church for a couple of days. So they went next door to the apartment, right next door to the church. And they found him. He had gone home to be with the Lord. He was dead on the floor. And so they gathered the few possessions that he had. Had no children. None of that. But as they gathered them together, they found a stack of notebooks in a corner of his little apartment. And the pastor opened up the notebooks, and every notebook was filled, every page of every notebook, and it was a big stack with names of people and places and dates, and then a comment beside each name. And as the pastor read this, he realized that this shy janitor was so driven by the love of Jesus and the power of the Spirit, even beyond his natural personality. He, and they counted up the names in those notebooks. He had gone out to the malls and to the streets and the parks and his neighbors and told them about Jesus. And they counted up the names in those notebooks, and he had reached and witnessed to more than 30,000 people, one by one by one. And then he came back, and he got their name, and he prayed over them that the Holy Spirit would open their hearts more and more. And friends, think of what we can do as we are the star that is shining the church in this dark hour. If we all would just, there are people we can reach, that you alone can reach, that I alone can reach. And he is sending us out now in this last hour. Jesus is coming soon. The second Christmas is coming very soon, and we are celebrating that today. And he's calling us all home and calling us to bring as many of our lost brothers and sisters home as we possibly can. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now? It won't take very long at all. But you would just say with your head bowed and eyes closed, you'd, you'd say, Pastor Jan, I realize this morning, God, how much God loves me. And he's made every way for me to come home to him. And I'm here this morning, and I'm so grateful that I'm home safe with him. Or maybe, maybe you're even here. You know, sometimes people go to church for years. They never totally, truly surrender and submit their heart to Jesus as their king. And maybe this morning, maybe you even need to do that once and for all in a, in a real lasting way. But you say, also, you realize the people around you in your family, neighbors, people you work with, people you go to school with, that you know are not ready for Jesus' second coming that is coming very soon. And you want them to be ready. Jesus wants them to be ready. And he sent you to them. He sent you to be the light that would lead them home. And this morning, you would just, with heads bowed and eyes closed, we're not going to bring you down front. We're going to close very quickly here after my prayer before the kids come. But you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Jan, I know God wants to use me this year. This could be our last Christmas. We don't know if you come this year. This may be our last Christmas. We do not know. But you just say, Pastor Jan, pray for me. I have lost family. I have lost people that I know. The Lord wants to use me to reach. And I know the time is short. Just slip up your hand. You can put it right back down. We're not going to bring you down or anything. But God will bless you and use you in a way that you never thought. Yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. 
What an exciting hour we are living in, seeing more people come to Jesus than ever. But there's a reason he's doing it, because he knows what little time is left. Father, I pray for your people this morning. I pray that you would bless them in every way, bless their families. I pray for the parents that you would bless them as they raise their children to love you and to know you to be filled with a passionate love for you, Jesus. I pray for those that, that are, are reaching people around them in their workplace and all over, Lord, that you would cause us to shine your love and your truth. In this short, dark hour, may the light shine brighter than ever before. And may this be a celebration of Christmas like we've never had before by bringing more and more home to you, Jesus, we pray. They will be home for Christmas. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.